0: Well, welcome. My name is Taylor Floyd. For those who don't know me, um, I've called, called CF home for two or three years now, and it's a wonderful family to be a part of. Tim asked me to preach this morning, give him more time with his newborn son, uh, who was born Tuesday. Is that right? Um, a wonderful thing to celebrate. We've been in a series on the fruit of the Spirit, those who don't know, we're about halfway through. We're going to explore the trait of kindness. What does it look like to be kind? Why should I be kind when the world is not? It can be difficult. Real questions to be asked. And we want to ask them of the right places. See, we can ask the question in a vacuum. What is, what is kindness to me? What does it look like or feel like to me? But that's not where we turn. We turn to Scripture, God's Word, for the blueprint on how to live our lives, how to express traits like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. This book, it's Bible, right? This is God's communication to you and to me. It's him laying out principles for how we can live our life in a way that that gives life. If any of you are new this morning um, and do not have one of these, there's one in front of you. Take it. It's our gift to you. I believe that in these pages, we find life, and it would be the best gift that you could ever receive. So we're going to turn to Galatians chapter 5. It's in the back of the book. Page nine hundred seventy-five, I believe, for you guys. Galatians chapter five. We've been focused on on verses twenty-two and twenty-three. The fruit of the spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. We look to scripture to answer questions. We have all kinds of questions, right? How do I, how do I love my spouse? How do I raise my children? How do I work in the marketplace? And I believe Scripture offers answers. Scripture is infinite in its scope, meaning it touches on every area of your life. It has something to say, something to offer you, in every area of your life, infinite in scope. But it's finite in its words. When I say it's finite in its words, I mean it doesn't specifically say... Taylor, here's what I want you to do in this situation. It doesn't lay it out plain as day with every thought and question you will ever have of it. Naturally, we'd have volumes and volumes, right? <laughs> I alone have millions of questions, and then we compound all of yours. We could fill the world with books and still not have enough. But I think that's Intentional. I think God gave us a book that gives us principles, ideas, truths. But that's not all he gave us. You see, God gave us the Holy Spirit. God gave us himself. Because he desired to be in relationship with us, and he recognized that apart from him, we can't understand any of it anyway. We can't apply scripture to our lives anyway. Like I said earlier, Galatians 5 verses 22 and 23 is where we've been focusing, but I want to I wanna broaden our context a little bit. I want to take a step back. Um, I have a, an illustration for you. So there's this beautiful new piece of equipment right here um, that I just bought this last week. Um, really exciting. It's an iPad Pro. It's got all kinds of crazy features, and I love it. It's great. Uh, I spent I, a very embarrassing number of hours watching the uh, Worldwide Developers Conference where they talked about this and, and showed how cool and amazing it was going to be. So I went and bought one. I was looking I was like, you know, I I need a new laptop for school and there's other things that I can use it for. So I went and bought one. Started playing with it. Like There's thousands of different features that it has and started playing with them. It was really fun. Um, but I found two or three days later, I was dissatisfied. It's like, okay, so what now? I was like, okay, but but you know what? Uh, I just have the tablet. There's a new um, operating system with a, like a million more features that's supposed to come out in a month. I'm impatient, so I'll take the developer's one that's not even done yet, and I'll try out those features, right? Do that, and then a day later, it had the same feeling. I have a million features, a million wonderful tools at my hands, and Eh. So well, lo- that's how you love to feel after you spend twelve hundred dollars on something, right? Eh. <laughs> but see, what I realized is I had gotten lost in a sea of features and forgotten the purpose, forgotten the destination. Maybe you've heard the phrase um, "losing the forest in the trees." I've been so focused on all these individual features that were amazing and awesome and it's so cool, all the things it can do, that I forgot why I bought it in the first place. What I was going to use it for. What I was going to do. We're about halfway through the, the fruit of the Spirit, and I want to take a step back from the trees to look at the forest. I don't want to get lost in the features of Christianity and miss the point. The features of the fruit of the Spirit and forget why we even have it. I think Paul, Paul gives us a great place to start. We're going to start in verse 13. Chapter 5 of Galatians, verse 13. For you were called to freedom brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love, serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. This is right before that we get to the fruit of the Spirit. Did you catch the purpose? Did you catch what we were called to? We are called to freedom. But not just unbounded freedom. Because he immediately follows it up with, do not use your freedom, or maybe better put, do not abuse your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love, serve one another. Our mission, our goal, the prize is that we would be able to serve through love those who are in our life. We are given the fruit of the Spirit so that we can love others. We can serve others. we are still sitting here asking the question, why though? How do I do that? Why do I do that? And Paul continues to answer these questions. Read in verse 16 with me. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. How do we fill that purpose to live into the freedom and serve others paul's answer walk in the spirit it bookends that entire passage right we hear it at the beginning we hear it at the end we even hear it explicitly and implicitly throughout the passage verse 16 i say walk by the spirit verse 26 or 25 excuse me if we live by the spirit let us also keep in step with the spirit but i've grown up in the church I've heard that all my life, and I still have no idea what that means. It sounds really great. I'm going to walk with God. I'm going to walk with the Spirit. I'm going to be led by Him. We can use a bunch of different verbs. But what does that look like? What does that mean? That's the answer, or the question we're going to be answering this morning. Is it too undefined? Is it too vague? Is it too mystical an idea? it's answered in scripture what does it mean to walk in the spirit and how do we do it first I want to talk about why why do we walk in the spirit how do we walk in the spirit and what does it look like to walk in the spirit so first question why why should we walk in the spirit well walking in the spirit means we're free from the flesh Right? Verse 13. We have been set free from the flesh. Jump down to verse 19 with me. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. First of all, you like how he added at the end, things like these? This isn't an exhaustive list. There's so many more. And the thing he says at the beginning, the works of the flesh are evident. We know what they look like. Because they're things that hurt, right? Both us and others. Nobody wants to be tied down to acting like that. None of you are going to look at that list and say, yep, I want to be known for that. I want to be known as someone who's angry or jealous, sexually immoral, a drunk. Nobody says, I want to be like that. So the first reason why we walk in the Spirit is because Paul says, if we walk in the Spirit, we are free from those things. We are free from our flesh. Second, we walk in the Spirit because not only are we set free from the flesh, but we are given, produced in us, fruit. You know, it's just like Christ. When He called us, when He saved us, He did not only clear our record, wipe all of our sins away, but He made us sons and daughters of God. He gave us something. He took away our penalty, and He gave us something an inheritance. The same thing is true here. Walking in the Spirit means we are no longer slaves to the flesh. And we are given the fruit of the Spirit. I want to be known as someone who's loving. I want people to experience joy and peace and patience when they interact with me. So we... We want to walk with the Spirit because we find freedom and we find life. But how do we do that? I keep talking about this walking in the Spirit, but how, how do we go about this? There's two types of people in the church, both back then and today. Uh, back then, it was the Jews and the Gentiles. So the Jews were God's people for generations, they were under the law. They understood that as, as a child of God, I was to be circumcised. I was to know and to follow everything that was in the law. And then you have the Gentiles. The Gentiles who were pagans, who had no idea of God's law. And both of these people were accepted into the church. I've got two... Um, wonderful helpers who are going to come up with me now. (laughs) Let's see. You're going to go on that side. You're going to be licensed. (laughs) And you, sir, on this side, are going to be legalism. So we have two people. On this side, we have the Jewish people. The people that understood the burden of the law. The, the, the people who had a hard time fully comprehending the scope of what Christ did on the cross. The freedom that we have on the cross. And then over here we have the Gentiles. Wonderful Lord. License. They understood the freedom. They, they came because they heard Christ preach freedom from their sin. They didn't hear anything about Circumcision. They weren't about to do any of that. They're like, "Well, I, it's not about that. It's about freedom." Jesus saved me. We have these two. We have these two ends of the spectrum today too. I, I think we tend to fall in one or the other. We lean in one direction often. In high school and my younger years, I fell into that camp. That's what I grew up in—a legalistic mindset that said I have to earn my my keep. I have to earn my salvation. Yes, I mean, there's believing in Jesus and he's done it, but you know, to keep it or to hold on to it, I, I have to make sure I get every dot and tittle right. And then college hit and I made the transition and I walked over here. Uh, my, my salvation, my freedom, became a license to do whatever I wanted because at the end of the day, I'm saved. There's no sin too great, right? We've all heard that. So then why not? I mean, it feels better. It's not the same burden that's over there. But see, there's, there's good in both. It's just been twisted. You see, on this side, we have legalism, which is an abuse of the law. The law is perfect. The law is good. The law speaks to everything God designed or intended for our world. The ways in which we are meant to function together, healthily, lovingly. Over here, we have freedom. Christ has set us free, right? But he didn't set us free so that we could go and do whatever we wanted. He set us free so that we were no longer so self-indulgent that we didn't care about others. So, we hear the Spirit calling us, right? Right? We all have those nudges, and it's like, all right, so where I'm at, you, you're on one side or the other, and you're like, okay, I, something's not quite right, and the Spirit whispers, you know, something needs to change. So you hear that, he's in the middle of this spectrum, right, and there you go. he's in the middle. You hear that, and you're like, okay, cool, and so you start walking, go ahead and start walking, like you're, you're chasing after that good thing but then all of a sudden something happens in the middle you trade cards keep going you trade cards and all of a sudden you're you're just on the other side you saw the good on the other side and you went after it you heard something but then you stopped listening because you just saw the other side you're like alright that's where I'm supposed to go And now you have a whole new set of problems. And the same whispering. I still... (laughs) It's the spirit. Not the spirit. It's not blasphemy. I'm speaking to these two, right? Because they're still not where I want them to be. Called both of them. So now you're confused. You're like, I was on that side and I heard the Spirit calling me, and I was like, okay, I'm going to do something different. I'm going to try harder, right? I'm going I'm to live closer to the law. I'm going to um, go to every Bible study and every church event and everything. Or the other side, it's like, no, you know what? That, that was wrong. There's freedom over here. I'm supposed, to, I'm supposed to be free, and then you go all the way to the other side, and you're like, but what am I doing now? Like, these things aren't right. See, the Spirit calls us To come and meet him in the middle, and to give up these cards. Guys, take a seat. To meet him in the middle. To take the best of both worlds, so to speak. See, like I said earlier, they, these two wonderful realities have been twisted into perversions that are no longer good or helpful or right. There's a song by a, um, a Christian artist named Stephen Curtis Chapman. Uh, he's fairly old at this point, so some of you may not know him. Um, but he has a song called Echoes of Eden. It's a beautiful song. Uh, it was written to his wife. And he was speaking about the intimacy that they share and how those, those moments are echoes of the way things should have been and the way things used to be and the way someday things will be. But they're only echoes. Even in the best moments of our lives, the most God-honoring, loving, relationally bound moments of our lives, they're still only echoes of the way things were meant to be. What's the answer, though? How do we meet him in the middle? Look at verse 16 with me. But I say, live with the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. See, that side speaks to the person over here. If you're walking with the Spirit you're not doing something you are not carrying out the desires of the flesh then on this side verse 16 or excuse me verse 18 but if you are led by the spirit you are not under the law paul speaking to the jewish believers to those today the legalistic mindseted believers you don't bear that burden anymore. jesus paid it all but he also didn't pay it so you can live how you want. He paid it so that you could love others the way that he loved you. The way that he loved me. The problem with both of these is both of them are focused on me. I stand over here. I stand over here in legalism, and I say, um, I need freedom and I want, to be, I want to be free like the other side. And so I walk over to the other side. And again, the person over here, or, or, or even me on the second time around, uh, I want to be more in line with what God has called me to and, and I want to try harder and I want to maybe earn something. See, the problem, the reason we keep passing the spirit in the middle is because we were focused on me. Go back to verse 13 with me. For you were called to freedom, brothers, speaking to the legalist, only do not let your freedom become an opportunity for the flesh, speaking to this side. And here's how you walk back. But through love, serve one. It's not until we step back from ourselves, stop looking at ourselves, and start looking at others that we see this become a reality in our life. Notice, when he describes the works of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit, the works of the flesh are things we do. The fruit of the Spirit are are fruits that are born in us by the Spirit, not by what we do. See, it's tempting to say, It's tempting to say, okay, I'm going to work on being better at those things, um, at, at all of those things. But ironically, as soon as we start doing that, we turn them into works of the flesh because they are done through us. Through our power. Our ability. But when the Spirit called us, when Jesus called you to faith in Him, could you do anything? Was there anything you could do to earn what He was giving you? The same thing's true here it still doesn't give us practical steps right how do I practically look at this how do I how do I get to a position in which I can start bearing fruit that I can see that in my life I was looking through a lot of materials and um, read something by John Piper um, that really helped me understand and, and think about, practically, how do I do this? What, is it, what does walking in the Spirit look like? One, walking in the Spirit looks like acknowledging that we can't do it without Him. That without Him, we do the things of the flesh. Without Him, we do the things that we don't want to do. And if you think that that's not true of you, go read Romans 6 through 8. Paul, the super-Christian, so to speak, struggling with sin. We all have this issue. So the first thing, one, acknowledge. Acknowledge that we need His help. Two, pray. Pray. Ask Him to change our hearts, to change our desires. Naturally, we want to do everything that is good for us, right? I was thinking about me. <laughs> to change our desires that, so that in everything that we do, we are thinking about serving and loving the people that we're interacting with, whether that's in your job, Or at home at school wherever you are so acknowledge your need pray for help and trust trust that what he says here is true he says if you walk by the spirit this will happen you I want those (laughs) I want to be like that to other people you know that's where Really, that's where the problem comes for me. I want to be known as the person who is loving. I want to be known as the person who is joyful, who is at peace, who has patience, is kind, is good, and faithful, and gentle, and self-controlled. You see the problem there? And what I've been wrestling with this last couple weeks is I just want to look that way. I don't actually want to be that that's hard, right? Especially if you're trying to do it on your own. We need to change our desire. Our desire shouldn't be so that I can look away to other people, but that rather people feel differently by the way that I act. That people feel loved and served. So we acknowledge our need. We pray that God would help us. That the Spirit would live in us. That the Spirit would develop these things in us. We trust that He will do it. And then fourth, and only after those first three things, we act. This also isn't something that's just going to happen either. But see, the difference between a legalistic approach to this And what I'm trying to describe is that the first three steps happen first. I recognize I can't do it. I ask him to help me do it, and I trust that he will help me do it. And then I move forward and I say, I am going to be these things to others. Paul wasn't against working. 1 Corinthians 15, he says, I worked harder than any other, but not me, but the grace of God through me. We act, we push, we think, we try hard to love and to serve others. And then finally, fifth, we thank God. We thank God that He's working in us. That we're even thinking about doing this speaks to His work in our life already. Because apart from Him, we don't want these things. Because they're not about us. They're about someone else. They're about everyone else. We live in a in a society that says, take care of you, take care of you. You can do it and you should do it. You don't need anyone's help. I bit hard on that. You know a great example? This sermon. And most others. So I've preached, what, six, seven times, I think, at this point? And every other sermon, both in in school and here, um, I've written by myself alone in my room. With no help from anyone, on purpose. Because I was told growing up, you should do it, you should be able to, even if you can't, so at least try and fake it. (laughs) This sermon, I had the wonderful joy of sharing with my wife. Of having her help me (laughs) and give input and and Help me shape and mold this. But it wasn't until I recognized that I couldn't do it on my own and I asked for help that I found it. And I found life. We had wonderful conversations that pushed both of us to grow, to both understand what we were talking about, what we were learning better. So this morning, the main question was... What does it mean to walk in the Spirit? Walking in the Spirit is serving others in love. And we do that by acknowledging that we need help, praying for that help, trusting it will come, acting, and then thanking God when it does. I pray for all of you, for this whole church, that we take this seriously. Our country. Is some crazy percentage, uh, technically speaking, or, or claims to be Christian. But there is more division in this country than I've seen in my entire lifetime. There's more hurt, more pain, and yet we're all Christians, right? So there's something, something missing. The Jews understood that we were to be marked as God's people. What they misunderstood was how we are marked. We are no longer marked by circumcision. We are marked by the Spirit. We're marked by these things. One of the interesting things is um, Moody students often are hired pretty quickly around the city because Moody has a history A history of Christian service that arguably is sending out students that look like this, who do this. So naturally, employers want to hire them because they love, they're kind, they're faithful, they're there. We as a church, we as a nation, need to start looking different than everyone around us. And it starts with the Spirit. Should you bow your heads and pray with me? Heavenly Father, God, thank you for Thank you for everything that you've done for us. Thank you that you offer freedom from all the sins that are tying us down, weighing us down. That you take those, and in its place you offer to bear fruit to bring about love and joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness. Lord, I pray that we in our hearts today would make a decision that we were going to be filled with your Spirit. That we are going to call on your name and we are going to act different. So that the world would know that life in you is different. Life in you is worth the change. Lord, I pray that you would bless the remainder of our time as we worship. I pray all of these things in Christ's name. Amen.